This is your podcast for all things refinishing. I'm Lane Ball with Zebras Before and After. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 5. This week's show continues our interviews with the category winners of the 2020 Zebra Golden Brush Awards. Today, we hear from two artists that make up the winners of two more categories, Living on Saltwater and Raven Street Market. We will finish these interviews up next week. You will enjoy hearing from your finishing friends as they share how they went about creating these award-winning pieces. But first, we know many of you are eager to hear who the three refinishers will be in the Zebra Furniture Flip Contest. We have our host, Jen Talley, here to announce the winners and share what process she went through in narrowing it down to just three. You will also hear the winner of last week's giveaway. Check in from a few of your friends on what they're working on in their studios this week. Hear a refinishing tip and we'll hear another Did You Know segment. Stay with us. We have the inspiration, fun, and community that will platform your day. Hi, Jen. Now, are you royally stressed after having gone through all the ugly pieces submitted and narrowing it down to only three? Man. Oh, my gosh. Honestly, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, I am stressed, but it was it was amazing. It was fun, but wow, much harder than I expected it to be. Well, it's funny because I felt kind of bad for you, <laughs> but I remembered that, wait a minute. Jen's an expert furniture finisher. A ton of people look up to her, and so she can handle this if anybody can. So, but <sighs> I, I, I did feel for you because there there was quite a few entries, and there were the, a lot of ugly pieces. <laughs> there really were. It was. It, I had to go through a specific process to narrow it down. It was you know, just scrolling through at the beginning, I was like, how am I ever going to do this? But um, I think I, I think I did it. And I think everyone's going to be happy. So if you would, because uh, I'm sure a lot of people are curious, what, what kind of criteria were you looking for? Because I just want to say, and I may be off base on this, but, you know, when you look at, especially when you're dealing with art, it's subjective, right? I mean, what one person can find beautiful, somebody else can say, Ooh, I'd never have that in my home. And I know we emphasized, and you did a really good job of this, especially as we were leading up to this, that, you know, we loved how you always said, go duck hunting. <laughs> right. <laughs> and you're looking for ugly, ugly pieces. But just, I think just so people understand from your perspective, as you were pouring through this, like what, what were some things that you were considering as you reviewed them and were choosing the final three? Yeah. I mean, that's what makes it hard. Just like you said, art is, is art and beauty is in the eye of the beholder, just as ugliness is in the eye of the beholder. <laughs> so when you're, when I was looking through those, I mean, I could have, I could have said every single one of them was yeah. ugly um, because they were. Um, but I guess I was looking more for that piece that you would see at a thrift store, at an mm -hmm. estate sale, at a rummage sale, that you would look at it and you would walk right by it. Um, you would think, no way. Nope. I'm that will never be pretty. I do not want to work on that. I can't see how anyone could ever do anything to make that look better. Um, that, and also like, you know, would I want that piece in my home? Like, you know, the, I, I can't even imagine where I would put that, why I would want that, you know, that sort of thing. There were a lot of entries that um, the pieces were very um, broken down. They needed lots of repair work. And in that fact alone, yes, they did look ugly. But um, I think I was more looking for something that 
was really headed for the landfill, um, either based on how it looked just originally or based on maybe how someone painted it previously. And, um, and kind of my vision for, oh my gosh, but, but that could be beautiful or, oh my gosh, I really want to see this one made over. Well, very well said. I know that's helpful to, to hear that. Um, so listen, I know folks are eager to hear you, who you have chosen. So if you would go ahead and share the artist and describe their piece as well, just sort of briefly. Okay, sure. So contestant number one is going to be Candace Stuckey from Casually Southern. Her piece is a doozy, you guys. It is a vintage vanity that looks like it has been spray painted in a metallic spray paint. Um, It's definitely one of those pieces where I think if you saw it in person, I bet your eyes would bug out and say, oh my gosh, what has someone done to this? I definitely can see the beauty underneath that metallic spray paint. I can see the Mm -hmm. potential in it. But looking at the pictures that Candace sent us, I was just like, oh, yeah, this is an ugly duckling, and I need to see what she can do with this. Well, I would have to second that. I have seen it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'd have to agree that that, uh, it classifies as, uh, sometimes we say in the South, ugly. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. For sure. All right. Who's next? Okay. The next one is... Jeanette Cougar from Vintage Roots Painted. And I am calling her piece because I have never seen anything like it, to be honest with you. So I am just going to call it the Hodgepodge Hutch. It is something else. It looks like it's like pieced together. It's not, but it just has so many things going on. Um, Sometimes I like to call things like this, like I like to say they need a make under because the the bones of it look good and I can see the potential in it. I love some of the, it's got some of the like waterfall, you know, vibes to it. Mm -hmm. And I love that style. Um, But then it has like, it looks like a patchwork quilt meets like a, um, wooden the wooden knobs it's just it's all <laughs> it's it's all over the place and if Jeanette can do something to make that desirable in someone's house I think that would be amazing because I I was just thinking to myself what would be the purpose of this piece where in my house would I put it and when was this look ever desirable it is interesting I mean, obviously I had the privilege to to see the full gallery and then to see the three that uh, Jen has chosen but it does have a hodgepodge is a good way to say it because it it is, and you feel bad for maybe whoever built it. Um, They certainly tried really hard. And um, I don't know if it's one of those things, you know, it'd be interesting to know the history of it, right? Like how Mm -hmm. somebody else add on to it. It's just, it's like you said it best. It's just really different. Um, And so it will be interesting to see what Jeanette does with it. Well, who's our third uh, participant? Okay, last and not least is Jessica Randall from Refreshed by Jess. And her piece, she has a lot of work ahead of her lane. (laughs) Um, Her piece is an MCM dresser that someone has previously painted in this bright, bold, turquoise blue. Um, It has stickers on it. The paint is peeling off on the top. 
Um, it's just, it's a sight for sore eyes. Honestly, it is definitely one of those pieces that I don't think most people would give a second glance. It would be something that would be on the curb. Um, but what I saw in it were the lines and the curves of the actual piece itself. Mm -hmm. Um, it's got some really unique details. I, I love MCM, but when I, and when I looked at how some of the drawers kind of look like, uh, concave where others look convex, and then it has a bunch of different, it has tons of hardware on it. Um, so just, you know, changing up the hardware alone is going to make it great. But right now it looks like a hot mess. And I think it has the potential to look, to look like super sleek and modern. Yeah. Well, I would have to say that, uh, I would have walked by this piece pretty quickly had I seen it <laughs> in, mm -hmm. in a thrift store or something. So you, you did a really good job. Jen of choosing these. And you know, it's kind of interesting. I was sitting here thinking as you were talking about what people, you know, the opportunity and potential that they have, we're so used on it. I know I'm so used to, you know, looking at uh, the, the refinishing industry and all of the different pieces that people refinish. And I've said this before, I love the before and after. But the funny thing is, is like, I see the before, I slide and I see the after. Mm -hmm. In this case, we all are seeing the before and no after has happened yet. <laughs> so right. it's a lot of, I mean, it's really going to be a lot of fun to see. And I'm, I'm sure no matter what spectrum you come from, if you're a new refinisher or if you're thinking about getting into refinishing or you've been refinishing for years, it's going to be a lot of fun to see, you know, uh, these, these pieces move from ugly to, to beautiful swans. And, and we're going to learn a lot through the process and, uh, it's just going to be exciting. So congratulations to Candace, Jeanette and Jessica for sure. And we'll definitely be in touch with you guys immediately. Cause we got to, we got to start this process. Don't we, Jen? Right. We're going to have to get going. So you guys are going to have to start thinking right away about, um, your design ideas, what colors you want, what hardware you need, because this is going to, once everyone gets their, their products, this is going to go quickly. Right. Well, to recap how this will unfold, Jen will reach out to each of the participants to check in on them throughout the entire process. And key highlights will be featured on Facebook and Instagram, IGTV, posts, stories, and reels. All of the sponsors will be featuring these highlights as well as Jen and the refinishing participants, so you will have easy access to keep track of the different phases. The first phase will involve the refinishers, as Jen just said, choosing their paint colors from Mud Paint, their hardware from D. Lawless, and their paint brushes from Zebra. The products will be shipped out to the participants. While waiting for their products to arrive, refinishers will be able to start prepping their pieces once all three participants receive their products. And this is depending on where they live. It may take longer for some to receive them. So then once they all receive them, then the painting phase will begin. From there, we will move quickly to the final stages of top coating, installing hardware, and then, of course, staging and photography. Jen, share how you will be working with participants and remind us all of something called lifelines that will be offered. Sure. So I am going to be available for you guys. First of all, I'm going to be working with you as in checking in with you guys, just like Lane said, kind of periodically checking in just so we can give all of our viewers an update because you guys, I know just from the messages that I've received that there are so many people that are excited about this. They maybe didn't want to enter or, you know, didn't have the time to enter, but they are eager to watch. So I'm going to be checking in with you guys, obviously, periodically just to show everyone how you're doing, um, seeing if there's any issues, any problems, any dramatics. Um, but also, I am going to offer you guys a lifeline. 
So if you ever need my help, if you have a question about, you know, it's part of the refinishing process or um, maybe how to use the paint or, you know, a hardware suggestion, a staging question, whatever your um Whatever your problem area might be, you are going to have access to, what did we say, Lane, one lifeline each? Actually, I think we were very generous, and we said two. So, Okay. Um, yeah, two okay. opportunities. So two opportunities to reach out to me, and I am here to help you guys in any way that I can. Well, I just want to reiterate something. Once everyone gets their product, then we will set dates for the process. Because I know some of you are thinking, okay, so what's the dates? How is this going to unfold? It's really important that we make sure everybody has their products um, before everybody starts the process of painting. Because we want to we want to make sure it's all fair as we go through this process. And as stated earlier in other venues about the flip, we want it to move pretty quickly. We don't want to um, drag this out. And that's part of the challenge of it, wouldn't you say, Jen, is, is to, to really stay on this and, and move quickly through the refinishing process. Yes, absolutely. I think that's one of the things we talked about in the beginning is that having this time constraint is part of the challenge of it. Because if if I had a few months or a year to complete this, you know, maybe I could make a, you know, huge, stunning swan. But if I only have a week, you know, can I, can I still do it within that yeah. time frame? So I think that's going to be the fun and exciting part. Well, if you go to enjoyzebra.com and click on the zebra furniture flip, you'll be able to keep track of all the dates and details um, and any links to the videos of Jen checking in on the participants. So at any point, if you have any questions, again, just go to enjoyzebra.com and we'll try to keep everybody up to date with the dates and deadlines uh, on that site. Once the three participants have transformed their pieces, we will have them featured on our Zebra Furniture Flip page for the public to vote for their favorite. The one with the most votes will be, of course, our Zebra Furniture Flip winner. And for those that were not chosen, uh, keep us all up to speed on your transformation by using the hashtag Zebra Furniture Flip. As Jen mentioned, there were a ton of pieces that will be a lot of fun to see you guys flip. And so uh, we know, you know, everybody wants to be chosen, uh, but not everybody can be chosen. So those that weren't, I know you still have plans to flip your pieces. And so a good way to keep everybody in the loop and build the excitement and energy and community into this event is by using that hashtag zebra furniture flip as you work on your process of refinishing it, transforming it from the ugly duckling into a beautiful swan. And uh, so just make sure you do that so we can keep up to speed uh, with you. So, Jen, are you ready for the transformations to begin? Oh, my gosh. I am so ready. I'm so excited just looking through that gallery. I just, guys, I spent so much time, and I overthought it to death. Uh, but I, wanted, <laughs> I want to thank you guys so much for entering because it's truly, it was so much fun. It's going to be so much fun. And just like Lane said, if you entered a piece and you weren't chosen as the top three, please, please keep us posted. I still want to see those makeovers. I still want to see what you guys can do. So don't think that, you know, you lost or anything like that. But yeah, I am more than ready to get this process going. It's my favorite part of furniture refinishing. It's seeing what um, what these artists can do when they're given an ugly duckling. Okay, let's go flip some furniture. Let's do it. 
Support for Zebra's Before and After comes from Zebra, the brush company that produces application-specific paintbrushes that will literally change your paint life. Whether you are painting a room, creating a craft, or refinishing a furniture piece, Zebra has you covered. Each one of our thoughtfully designed brushes has a specific purpose in mind, and each one is packed with unique and proprietary filaments that are smaller in diameter, allowing us to give you 25% more filament pack out than your standard brush. That translates to smooth finishes and fun brushing. Zebra brushes give you the opportunity to fill your work and guide it to your desired destination. Enjoy and paint on. If you were listening last week, you heard from four artists, which comprise three of our 2020 Golden Brush Award category winners. Today, you get to hear from two more. First up, we'll hear from Caroline with Living on Saltwater, and then a bit later in our podcast, we'll hear from Anna with Raven Street Market. Hi, Caroline. Congratulations on winning Best Mid-Century Modern. Thank you so much. It was a pleasant surprise, and um, I'm really happy to be here. Your refinishing results on this MCM are stunning. Um, we'll, we'll chat about it in a moment. Before we do that, I wanted to see how things are going for you because you do refinishing on the side and so you work a full-time job. How's all that going? Um, it's going good. I am, you know, enjoying that the days are the, getting longer, yeah. you know, <laughs> there's much more sun and the temperatures are warming up. You know, we both live in North Carolina, but there was a good two week stretch there in February where it was cold and it rained every single day for like, it seemed like two weeks and it yes. it was not a good furniture refinishing time. <laughs> I know. Oh, it was, I don't think there's only, I've only run into a few people who are like, Oh, I love clouds. I just love clouds. <laughs> I mean, there are a few, but not a ton. I would say there's a lot more people who enjoy the sun more than the clouds. And especially in February, it's just, you know, you're so ready to kind of get over it and we never got that big snow we've chatted about that before but we just we just didn't get a big snow and uh, i suppose it's still possible but i think at this point now that we're in march i really don't want a big snow do you oh absolutely not i am looking <laughs> forward i think it's you know supposed to get mid 70s this week and it's yeah. just i'm ready to be able to do furniture outside and not have to worry about, you know, the, the change. I, I don't think we're supposed to see rain anytime soon and I am not going to complain. I know I won't either. <laughs> it's nice to, to see some dry ground for sure. Well, Caroline, it really takes vision to see an old piece and to know what direction to take with it. Uh, the possibilities are endless. How did you know what to do with this MCM? And I, I just want to say the picture that you've shown, it doesn't look to be like in a really, really rough state, but it's just very basic. It's, a, I guess, just a traditional MCM. So like when you got it, did you know what you were going to do with it pretty quickly? I didn't. I originally bought it to sell. Um, I did pay a little bit more for it than I normally would, but it it had a great brand, you know, name in it, um, and that was advertised when I bought it. And it ended up being a piece that I needed a new dresser in my master bedroom. So um, I was I love. It was nice to kind of create something for myself. Navy. If you look at my feed, I love to paint navy, and um, it's just a classic color that. I felt like could go with a lot of things for years to come because these these MCM pieces, I feel like will last a lifetime because I mean, this piece is so old to start with. So you knew all along it was going to be in your in your home. 
it got claimed to be in my house after we after we purchased it. And from that point on, I knew it was going to be in, in the master bedroom. And I do have some navy in there already. Mm-hmm. That is kind of the direction I went. Some of the other key elements in that piece um, evolved over time. But navy was definitely something I knew once we determined we were going to keep it. So where did you find this piece? Did you get it on Facebook Marketplace? I did. I I purchased off Facebook Marketplace. And um, the funny story is it actually, the woman selling it, her husband um, works in the same organization as, as my boyfriend. And we did not know, I did not know that until we showed up. Her husband was there. My boyfriend was there to help <laughs> me collect it and everything. So, you know, um, it, that was kind of a funny side of the, the transaction. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was strange. <laughs> you know, I, it's so interesting with MCMs. I haven't done a lot of research into the, you know, the MCM designs, but I don't find a lot in our part of North Carolina. I'm not saying they're not there, but I look, I usually scour Facebook Marketplace quite a bit. And it's funny, people probably laugh at me because I don't, you know, we refinish periodically and we have some projects coming up that we're going to be featuring on uh, on, on our Instagram accounts and social media, incorporating some refinishing projects that we do. But I just don't find that many available. Do you find them hard to locate or do you find them more, maybe they're more prevalent on the East Coast of North Carolina? I I do find that they MCM pieces are hard to come by. If I see them, they I feel like they get snatched up really quickly um, and you have to be you know, looking on Facebook Marketplace or, or wherever, right where it lists. There are some, I guess, people in the Raleigh-Durham, like the capital area, and they bring in MCM pieces. They kind of travel and buy them, mm. you know, mm-hmm. regionally and bring them in. But then by that point, they're not as, like the price point isn't great for yeah. trying to refinish them and then, you know, getting some, you know, money out of it um, right. after your time and, and whatnot. Yeah, that's the challenge, isn't it? I mean, you you don't need a lot of middlemen uh, when you're purchasing furniture to refinish and sell. You've got, it's it's always best to find it from from the uh, the owners, the original owners or or an owner. Yeah, so I don't know. I just enjoy flipping through Facebook Marketplace and I've had my eye sort of uh, with the intent of finding an MCM piece, just haven't, haven't been able to locate anything. Uh, it looks structurally str- sound. So uh, you, you, did you have to do anything structural to this piece? It was, you know, in great shape, to be honest. There was, I kept the top natural. I, I sanded it down and after I'd painted it, I wasn't quite sure if I wanted to keep that top um, with the navy. I loved how the legs looked. And, but the top was in great shape. Sometimes it's hard to find, you know, pieces off Facebook marketplace where you can actually sand the top down and, and use the wood in, in a, you know, stained or um, natural state. Mm-hmm. There was one small chip on like one back corner and it was very minute. And to me, it didn't bother me. And, mm-hmm. and I think even if I was going to sell the piece, it wouldn't have been something that would have deterred a, a buyer, in my opinion. So it was very structurally sound, and it was a pleasure to work with because having to recreate drawers or drawers that don't slide well is not a fun part of the job. Right. It's it's uh, 
task oriented, isn't it? <laughs> yes. It's not a glamorous part of, you know, it's an, a necessary evil. Um, we did make our own pulls for those center, center drawers. They're made out of copper pipe and, you know, just something that we were able to put together and was relatively inexpensive. But I thought it really complemented kind of the wood tone on the top um, and the natural legs um, and kind of tied everything together on those middle drawers. Oh, my. Are you kidding me? Yes. I mean, it, it definitely. It's funny when you look at a piece and you, you know, think about all the, the parameters of, you know, any structural changes, changes to the legs or, you know, obviously paint colors, what paint color, what part you're going to leave exposed wood, but the hardware to, to um, have to created your own hardware. Like what was your inspiration to, to do this? That part was definitely my boyfriend's idea and his execution of, of the piece. Anytime I'm, I have structural stuff or like I need to add a board or, or help with, he's a woodworker and loves doing that stuff. And so he saw that as an idea somewhere and said, hey, I want to do that. And so once I was done with the piece, we reused the original holes, but um, he put all of the hardware together for me um, and it turned out so well. It really did, and the the natural wood tones um, really go along well with that copper. And then, of course, the lines, the parallel lines with the top and the bottom, you know, it's just, it's really a nice completed piece. It's just uh, very well done, and, and really great job on staging as well. Do you enjoy doing staging? I do. It's it's the fun part, especially when there's good lighting and, you know, everything is going right because it's kind of like I feel like the heavens open and like it's just like an ah moment, you know, and <laughs> yeah. um it's like here like it's glistening and and ready ready to be showcased. Yeah, you're exactly right. Do you use a staging wall or is this in your home? So I use my garage for staging. So that white wall in the back is on the side of my garage. It used to be a carport, um, but I use that. I have some LVT flooring that I put out and then collect things from across my home to um, help stage with. I would have to say that mid-century modern is is my favorite and I um, I have a lot of mid-century modern stuff in my my house. I like the shiny metallics and kind of the the different metal tones mm -hmm. and and clean lines. So um, I probably have the most stuff to stage with for like mid-century modern. Now I'm looking at the photograph of this piece that because um, you staged a couple different ways. It looks like and the one that I'm looking at has the three pumpkins in front of the picture frame on top of the MCM piece. Yes, I did that around. It must have been October, like the fall yeah. time. I like to, you know, do a couple of different staging um, designs with my piece, um, one seasonal and then kind of one like a neutral that I could, you know, use at any time during the year. And it, and, and it doesn't look dated, you know. Right. No, that's a great idea. Do you, it, is that natural lighting that we see coming from the left side? It is. And I think that that's the great thing about using the garage. I don't have any extra lighting help. It's 100% everything coming through the, the open garage door. I do use a DSLR camera for my uh -huh. photos. I was into photography before furniture, so it just happened to be something that I had. And it's what I'm most comfortable with and on getting like a good shot with versus yeah. my phone. And what paint did you use on this? 
This is um, my favorite Navy, which is um, Sherwin-Williams Naval, and I love BB Froche. It's mm -hmm. my go-to product. I ended up becoming a retailer after using it so much, I decided to, to sell it. So I mixed BB Froche with um, Sherwin-Williams. Yeah, well, that was uh, a great choice on, on both uh, with both companies there. The color is really pretty, and then to be able to get that uh, chalk finish with a BB Froche is, uh, is a really good option. It's fun to be able to just really get any color you want, isn't it? Yes, that's what I love about BB Froche is that I can go pick it up. You know, there's literally a Sherwin-Williams store less than a mile from my house um, and then other major paint brand stores, too. And, you know, I can color match something or, mm -hmm. you know, be inspired by a picture and, you know, go get some paint at a moment's notice and, and mix up a reliable, durable chalk paint. Okay, that common question to all of the 10 category winners that I'm asking, tell us what you enjoy so much about refinishing furniture, Caroline. For me, it is a creative outlet that I don't have in my nine to five job. Um, I'm an accountant Creativity is very frowned upon in my industry, and um, it just gives me joy and lets me use a different, uh, you know, part of my brain than I get to use in my, you know, day-to-day -day job, and it provides me an, a sense of accomplishment on, you know, I thought of something, and I, you know, it went from my, a thought to a reality. Well, wow, that's great that you have both of those, because a lot of people don't, that you've got that sort of analytical mind with numbers and yet you've got the creative aspect of it as well. I never thought about that being creative, not being overly creative with numbers. Yeah. Uh, I guess yeah, let's just add a couple zeros here. I like the way that looks. That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that could keep, I guess it could be kind of dangerous. <laughs> Absolutely. It, it can. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great that you've got the outlet, and we're glad that you have the outlet because we get to enjoy your beautiful work. Share all of your social media accounts so folks can follow you. I am on Instagram and Facebook. Um, my handle is at Living on Saltwater, and then I also have a website with a blog that's livingonsaltwater.com. Well, Caroline, you really pulled all the stops out on this MCM with color choice, showcasing some wood grain, and then creating your own hardware. You as well had tough competition, but you came out on top. So congratulations and enjoy the cheers from your peers. I love it when things rhyme. Yeah. <laughs> yes, thank you. It, um, I'm so honored, you know, to be even a finalist. There were a lot of great pieces and a lot of mid-century modern um, is very popular. And I appreciate that y'all, you know, recognize people in this industry and, you know, have these competitions where we can cheer on, you know, our other furniture artists. Well, on behalf of the Zebra Crew, we love supporting you guys. And uh, we look forward to another great year of contest and of course, you know how things are. Before you know it, it's the end of the year. We won't talk that way, though. No, <laughs> we no, just, no, no, not yet. Take it slow, right? We don't want to head back into winter. <laughs> no, was, absolutely I gonna, not. <laughs> I was going to say you got to enter in the Golden Brush Awards for 2021, but that's down the road. So, yes. Anyway, well, enjoy uh, the rest of this sunny day, Caroline, and we enjoy chatting with you today. All right, thank you so much. <laughs> Time to hear what your refinishing friends are up to. Here are a few reporting on what they are working on in their studios this week. 
Hi guys, this is Melinda over at Yellow Creek Interiors. This week in the studio, I've been working on a Thomasville buffet that my client needs before Easter. I stripped the outdated finish on the top and found some beautiful mahogany underneath, and I've stained that a rich espresso brown. I'm painting the body in the color fawn by the chippy barn. It's a beigey gray that looks beautiful paired with the dark top. I've also started prepping a small Drexel chest, which I'm painting in a bright spring color. So stay tuned to my stories for more details on that. Hello everyone, this is Karen from Sycamore and Pine. This week I will be working on my studio. I have been doing all the work on my space and it feels so good to finally see it all coming together. I have lots of things to finish up inside, for example, shutters that my husband made for the windows and also lots of trim work for my batten wall, but it's going to be so nice when it's all finished. I'm hoping to have some time to also squeeze in some custom reclaimed benches that I've been making. They are so much fun. And maybe even some custom Cricut benches, which have also been so much fun. I'm truly enjoying the woodworking lately a lot. So stay tuned. Hey guys, it's Jess from Oak and Grain. This week I am working on a massive commission Chippendale armoire. My client chose the most beautiful deep dusty red color, which is going to be super bold and super fun. It was previously used as a TV stand, so I removed the swivel within the cabinets and added a couple shelves for storage. To add even more glam, we are going to replace your original Chippendale hardware with solid brass oval bale poles. This one is going to be quite the statement piece, so stay tuned to my page because you won't want to miss the final reveal. Boy, a lot of great refinishing taking place around the world. Today's refinishing tip comes from Karen with Castle Bay Lane. Hi, my name is Karen McBee, and my Instagram account is Castle Bay Lane. And I want to thank Zebra Brushes for asking me my tip, because my tip is an already known tip by everyone. But for some reason, a lot of us are in a hurry to skip this step in preparing our pieces before we paint them, and that is preparation. Because I've wasted so much time by not sanding, by not cleaning the grease and the grime before I put my paint on. So my tip is already a, a step that most of us know, but we think we're going to be able to cut a corner and sidestep the preparation, which essentially is the most important to begin with. So if it's anything, I just gently remind you to tell yourself prep is so important for your piece to come out as lovely as you'd like it to. And you will save time and blood, sweat and tears if you do so. Anyway, have a blessed day. Bye-bye. That is an important tip for new refinishers and a great reminder for those who have been in the industry a little longer. Thanks, Karen. In last week's episode, we announced a giveaway. To enter, you had to leave a review on one of the podcast directories like iTunes and send us your screenshot of your review. We are excited to announce today the random drawing winner of the giveaway. Our giveaway winner is Luna Renewal. She will receive a Best of Zebra Paintbrush Kit. 
Did you know that Heppelwhite furniture was developed in the 1700s by well-known London designer and cabinet maker George Heppelwhite? The Heppelwhite style is considered neoclassical, which is the revival of classical antiquity. The SpruceCrafts.com states that Heppelwhite furniture is characterized by contrasting veneers and inlays depicting seashells or bellflowers. Pieces often contain more than one type of wood. For the base, mahogany was most often the wood of choice, but satin wood and maple were also popular. The SpruceCrafts.com goes on to explain that Heppelwhite pieces usually have straight legs with potentially square or tapered and often reeded or fluted edges. We also learned that Heppelwhite is responsible for popularizing the sideboard and the short chest of drawers. If you didn't know, now you do. Now back to our Golden Brush Award category winners with Anna of Raven Street Market. Hello, Anna. Congratulations on winning Best Restored Wood Unpainted. Thank you so much, Lane, and thank you for having me. This is your first time on the podcast. It's a pleasure to have you on. So why don't you tell us where you live? So I am located just north of Minneapolis in Minnesota. How far are you from Minneapolis? Because that is a big city. (laughs) Probably about (laughs) a half an hour. Really? So that's pretty close. Yeah, it's not too bad. We People, when they drive out here, they think it's pretty far. But for me, anything within a half an hour is pretty close. Yeah. Now, are you uh, north enough that you are sort of in the country, or are you still like a lot of city stuff going on? We are right in between. So we are, we are on some acreage out here, but we are about 15 minutes from a target is how I like to explain it. So... <laughs> For some people, that's really far, but um, yeah, we are surrounded by acreage, but we do have shops in little parts of town here. I would say you have the best of both worlds because it's not that far to get to civilization. Exactly. (laughs) But, But you can escape civilization too, and that is super nice, I think, anyway. Yes, I totally agree. Are you from uh, Minnesota? I am, yep. Probably from my accent, you can probably tell that I've lived here my whole life. No, it's a good balance. Sometimes when you think about different regions of the country and even overseas, there can be uh, folks from those areas that are really, really strong. Uh, yeah. But but yours is like a nice, good balance. So uh, <laughs> I, I, it's funny because I'm from Michigan, but I moved down to North Carolina when I was eight. And so I carried that really strong northern accent. But obviously, having lived down here so long, it's just, I think, I pulled a little bit of Southern in and kept some of the Northern. So hopefully I have that balance as well. You sound very balanced to me. (laughs) Sounds good. (laughs) So how long have you been refinishing, Anna? I have been doing refinishing for about three years full-time now. I mean, sporadically throughout my life, but for full-time, full-time business for about three years. Wow. Yeah. So you've you've accomplished much in those three years. <laughs> yes, I love it. It's it's a wonderful job. It's amazing and it's extremely gratifying to work from home. Yeah. Do you find the the whole painting and refinishing process therapeutic like so many others? Yes, I love it. I love being able to just step into my own space and create what I'm envisioning. It's very therapeutic. I'm curious, have like knowing where you live, um, and like I said, I think you have the best of both worlds. How has it been like hunting for furniture, finding pieces to work on, and then selling them? Have you had any difficulty and challenges at all with any of those processes? So I search Facebook 
constantly. I mean, marketplace and all the garage sale groups. And when you search constantly, it's pretty easy to find unique pieces of furniture. But as far as selling here in Minnesota, we actually have a group called the Artisan Markets Minnesota. And it's about, yeah, it's about 40 of us local artisans that come together and sell in one group. And that group, we have over 20,000 members that shop it. Wow. Yeah. So that has been my main source of selling furniture. I know a lot of people do Etsy and sell in different forms, but locally, that is a huge source for selling furniture here. And do you feel like that all the work that you put into a piece that you have the adequate or I should say satisfying profit margins once you sell the piece? Yes, absolutely. I think a huge part of that is finding solid wood pieces, pieces that have really good bones from the start. And then once you can start with a good brand and good solid bones, they're worth so much more once they're finished. And people around in our area can, they appreciate that. Yeah, and I think over time, the more this industry grows, the more people will realize the amount of work that goes into refinishing a piece. And just as you said, you're not you're refinishing a piece, and, and nine times out of ten, the pieces are really strong, well-built pieces, maybe from years past. And so we just need to make sure that people understand that uh, that you guys work hard, and that warrants um, a good price, you know, so that uh, you're not working hard and not making anything off of. We want this industry to survive. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Every time a customer comes to my house, I, I try to speak to that. I say, you know, Wayfair and Target, they have beautiful furniture, but it's just not made the way that it used mm-hmm. to be made. And so that's why many of us gravitate towards those older pieces. They're solid wood through and through the drawers and everything. And just to reiterate that to them so that they are confident in their purchase and they know that this can last for years to come. Right. Very good. Well, let's discuss your winning piece. Now, Anna, I'm looking at the before, and this piece has so much detail. Obviously, we can tell that with the after, but it's got all the darker stain, and I don't know, I'm assuming maybe some the lacquer on it. I mean, that is a ton of work. Yes. So this piece, I decided to spread this work over months, actually. I picked it up in the summertime and I didn't finish it until fall. I I knew that it was going to be a huge amount of work, but it was just a labor of love with this one. I knew I wanted to fully sand it down, so I have a surf prep for that because it can do all the contouring around the details. Um, but it's hard work. It there are you get half of it done and you think you're almost done, but there's just always so much more on this piece. <laughs> So, yeah, I just sanded it all down completely. I would work on it for a couple of days, then take a week break. I didn't want to burn myself out with it. And then yeah. I'd go back to painting another piece and then come back to it. Well, that's, those are wise words uh, because that, I think when you get burnt out like that, that certainly affects the, the creative processes. And it, it certainly takes the therapeutic aspect of it out of the picture, doesn't it? Exactly. I always feel like if I'm starting to do a piece and it's not therapeutic, I step back and I wait until I have that excitement to finish it again, because that's most of the reason that I think many of us do it is we're excited to refinish it. Well, you mentioned Surf Prep Sanding. We love those folks. Uh, super great company. And been able to see a lot of people highlight the, the sanding process, and it does make it look so much easier. Did you have to go, like, 
because because this piece has so much depth to it, uh, did you have to do anything? Like, how did you get into the, like, really ornate detail? Was surf prep sanding sufficient for that? Or did you have to kind of go beyond what the, the tools you had to get into those nooks and crannies? So surf prep creates foam abrasives, and there are different depths to them. So just working through a few different, I always stuck to the core grit. It seemed to do the best job at removing the finish. And I would use the edges and the tips of the sanding pads to get into a lot of the crevices. In many places on the buffet, I left the previous stain behind just in the really fine details because it acts as a form of glazing, essentially. I don't think I did too much hand sanding. I'm pretty sure my surf prep took care of almost all of it. It's those foam abrasives is the whole reason that I purchased the surf prep. And you don't regret that one bit. Not at all. It, <laughs> it's an investment in your business, but if you are sanding furniture every day or even once a week and you like to do the buffet legs or just different contours on pieces, even the top piece, they always have those trim pieces that you don't want to burn down with a random orbital sander. It works great. It's it's an incredible investment. This is one of those pieces that uh, is certainly a testimony to um, the success and excellence of their product as well. And then the success and excellence of your uh, ability to know what to do with it and to hang in there over the course of several weeks to get it done. Now, when you started the process, did you know that you wanted to keep it natural or were you thinking about painting a portion of it? Tell me that does the design process. You know, seeing all of the raw pieces of furniture finished over the last year or two by different artisans across the world, I have been looking for a piece that had all of this detail. So I've just been waiting for that right piece to put all of that time and effort into sanding it. And when I saw this piece pop up, I saw all of the details. I mean, it's detailed top to bottom from the top trims to the doors to the legs. The entire thing is detailed. And I thought, this is the piece that I want to spend multiple days and weeks sanding down. So I knew that from the beginning that this was the piece that I wanted to sand down. Is this more of a buffet or is it more of a desk? What, what, would, what do you know about it as far as its original design? So this is a buffet, and it's funny that you mentioned that because when I originally saw the listing in, it was a Facebook garage sale site, they didn't put the dimensions in the listing. And so I had claimed it right away because I loved all the details. And I'm driving down there to the city to pick it up, and I'm thinking, sometimes you can't necessarily tell the size of a piece when you're just looking mm -hmm. at a picture. Yeah. And I'm driving, I'm thinking, what if this is only the size of a small desk? Because it, <laughs> it has a center area that could be for your legs and a chair. And I'm thinking this could just be the size of a small desk. And then I thought, no, it's probably more of the size of a buffet. And then I get there and I pull up to the house and this buffet is ginormous. It's over seven feet long. Is it really? Wow. Yes, it's 85 inches. So my sanding down task became much larger than I originally attended <laughs> when I picked it up, but still so worth it. And I understand you did like a whitewash over the whole piece? I did. The wood is oak. So when you get a piece wet with either water or mineral spirits, you it sometimes 
you can tell what it would look like if it would be sealed. So when I got it wet, the wood turned really red and I didn't want to seal it and have the piece turn red. I wanted the natural wood appearance. So that's mm-hmm. why I had done the whitewash over that. Yeah, and that, it really did turn out uh, a, a really nice, beautiful tone now. And then you just, what did you seal it with? Polyurethane. Like multiple coats? How was that? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I actually sprayed it on. A lot of times when there's all of those details, it would be a whole nother task in itself to go and make sure it's properly polyed in all the details. So when you spray on the poly, it reaches all the crevices and it's fully covered. So it was sealed in multiple coats. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Is this your piece or did you sell it? (laughs) If my house were big enough to fit a seven foot buffet, it would definitely be (laughs) in my house. Um, But no, I sold it locally to an interior designer. She was actually shopping for one of her customers and she was going to present it to the customer. But then her husband saw the piece she was about to show and he said, no, we need to keep this for our own house. So she's actually keeping it in her own house. Oh, wow. How nice. Yeah. What a compliment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to ask you the common question. And I know we kind of touched on it uh, earlier, but that question to all the 10 category winners is, tell us what you enjoy so much about refinishing furniture. I love the before and after. It mm. is the most gratifying part of it is being able to take a piece that has a failing finish, that's chipping, that has wounds, top to bottom, scratches, and to be able to sand it clean and then pick its next life color. So yeah. just looking at it and saying, what color do you want to be or what stain, what finish do you want? And then the after. The before and after is my ultimate favorite. Yeah, I, I love the before and after. I mean, there's, it's just it's so much fun to, to see what a piece was and then what uh, you guys do to it is extremely um, inspiring. It makes you want to go do pieces yourself. And that's probably one reason why so many people have jumped into the furniture finishing industry because they've been inspired by folks like you. You do a great job on staging as well, just as a side note. Um, that's, oh. that's such an important aspect of it, is especially when you consider you, you've got to sell these pieces. And, and when you when you dress them out well, uh, stage them, all the props, and then you take good photographs, it pays off. Yeah, thank you. I it's It's a learning process. When you first get into it, you're not fully sure how to stage and how the lighting works and where the camera angles should be. But when you see your peers and they're staging and you see certain pictures that you like and different elements of their photos that you like, then so many people are open to sharing how they achieve that look, whether it's the camera they used or the lighting. Um, yeah, you can, you take the inspiration of other people and you you just create your own and it's such a small investment in your business. If you're doing this business for profit to pay for a staging wall or pay for flooring or pay for the lighting. I mean, you could in as little as a couple hundred dollars create a staging setup that gives you those wow photos. And I still feel like I'm improving, but thank you for what you said. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's funny that you say that because, you know, I I suppose when I, when you were, and when you have a skill in an art form of craftsmanship, that it's always developing. You're always growing. You're probably always looking back. I, I think you look back in, at pieces that you've done last year or before, and you admire the work. But I think you, 
you you see yourself today and you you see where you've grown and the areas that you know you'll continue to grow in i would just say from and this is just generally to the listeners just basically picked up from what i've learned talking to so many uh refinishers is that when it comes to staging it's so so important if you don't feel comfortable with stage, you don't feel like that's a talent or a gift that you have. It's just to be simple. I mean, I've seen some folks stage by just like you mentioned, having a really good backdrop, staging wall, a good floor, um, and not really put anything on their pieces. They just got they just make sure they take a good picture with natural lighting. That is so far and above than throwing so much stuff on a piece that just uh, clutters it and distracts it. So at least starting out simple, and then kind of growing from that. You know, we've had uh, conversations with so many that, and some do award-winning stuff, and it's not always simple, but it's because they've grown into the talent of staging and knowing what to put where. And I can just say, as we choose pieces that we feature on a daily basis, I mean, there have been times where we see a pretty, you know, a really nice piece, but it just wasn't staged well. And it, it's like, it's it's hard to really focus on the the furniture piece itself. So it's a, there's so many aspects of furniture finishing, isn't there, as far as the talents and the skills that go into it? It is. I think, I think many people probably don't like to put the time into staging just because it does take time and effort. I, I set aside a whole separate day for staging in itself because you need to set it all up, find the right props that look good. You have to take a hundred pictures to make sure it was centered and angled properly. And then you have to sit down and edit the photo. It does take a long time and a long, a lot of effort. A good refinishing tip is to make sure you set aside the right amount of time. So it's not sort of like, you know, just sort of a secondary thought at the end of the whole process. Anna, share all of your social media accounts so folks can follow you. So I use Instagram and Facebook. You can find it both under Raven Street Market and street is spelled out. And then I also have a website, ravenstreetmarket.com. And you worked hard on this piece and it shows with incredible results. So beautiful and so deserved. Enjoy the recognition. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Zebra Blogs Before and After Furniture Finishing Podcast. Today's episode is also featured on thezebrablog.com along with contact information for today's guest. Your comments and suggestions for future episodes are always welcome, and we encourage you to share those by clicking on the podcast slide in our header at thezebrablog.com. That's zebra with an I blog.com. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and happy refinishing.